Welcome to a conversation with John Philpin. Each week, John cuts through the noise and fills your ears with interviews, stories, and most importantly, clarity. Clarity in our ever-changing and shifting world to put people first. Over to you, John. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are on this planet of ours. In the last episode, you learned a little bit about me, who I am, and what People First is all about. In this episode, I want to do the same, but this time through a different lens, or maybe even a different dimension, but more of that in the future. My first degree is in mathematics. I think logically. I am what many people would call a left-brain thinker, and to a certain extent they are right. But I also happen to have right-brain attributes. It's the right side of the brain that is more visual and intuitive. What is interesting, to me at least, is that there is a part of me that often bridges those two worlds. I don't think of myself as a creative. I play the guitar, though I'd never call myself a guitarist. I don't paint or act, though I enjoy observing both. But the join is where I find myself uniquely placed. Here's what I mean. When I try to understand something, I mean really understand. I like to draw a picture of it. Some say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Me? I say a picture is worth all of the understanding. If somebody explains something to me, I try to draw it. If I can't draw it, I don't understand it. Conversely, if people use pictures to explain things to me, and I don't understand it, that points to a flaw in the image, or more often than not, the thinking. It gets me into all kinds of hot water, but that's okay. The hot water is a necessary part of understanding. Some of what you will read in my blogs, newsletter and book, or here on the podcast might sound technical. I'm going to try not to be. There are plenty of people out there writing and talking about these issues, but none of them use plain language. They all assume a foundational understanding of, more often than not, technology. I'm trying to explain the challenges we as a society and businesses face without descending into geek speak. Sometimes I will fail, and I apologize in advance for that. All this is rather a long way to get me to use this second episode to explain people first in pictures. Now, if you think about it, that's a tall order. After all, this is an audio podcast. But there's no time like the present for a challenge. I've been building the foundations of people first over the past four years. I have a newsletter. There is a book coming out shortly. The website has been there since it all started. But the frameworks I use to hold it all together, they aren't shared. They're the secret source of how People First can help you and your business. Could I share them? Sure, but really, every single person is different, and the relationship between two, three, four people, let alone thousands, results in more combinations than there are grains of sands on planet Earth. And if there are that many variations, sharing a framework without the context and understanding of you and your business does nothing. So, Can I provide a framework that solves a problem for you and your business? I can, but we need to talk first. Frameworks provide ways of thinking for you to apply to yourself and your business, but that's only the start. To show you what I mean, I thought it might be useful today to take you through the first level of one framework. It's a framework that is dear to my heart because it explains people first at the top level. I will share the framework in the show notes, but I'll explain it now. 
you will find as you listen to the podcast and the conversations, monologues, commentaries, case studies, that I refer to things called pillars. There are eight of them that sit in support of the entire people first thinking. This is the power of imagery. Let me tell you what those eight pillars are. They are identity, data, technology, work, commerce, language, learning, and value. Got it? Of course, if you have a good memory, you might well be able to recite those eight words back to me. But so what? What does that mean? Instead, imagine, if you will, a black box. Let's say that black box is representative of business. On the left is the input, the people, the raw materials, the suppliers, everything that a company needs to produce the product or service they want to sell. On the right is the output, more people, distributors and partners, the products, the services, the marketplace that your company is going to sell to. These three elements, input, black box, output, make up what I call the business equation. Of course, the focus of People First is, well, people. And so in the People First model, we ignore things like raw materials, products, services, and reduce everything to the broader equation that suits the People First model. On the left, we have what we commonly call work, the effort that people bring to think, design, produce, make, any number of different things that are the input to the black box. On the right, we have what we commonly call commerce, that which allows people to sell, market, distribute any number of different things that are on the right of the black box. And there you have it, the first two pillars flanking that black box of business, work and commerce. First major takeaway, people sit on both sides of the business equation, and depending on where they sit, those people have roles, roles like vendor, employee, partner, manager on the left, and customer, prospect, partner, distributor on the right. But the fact is, they are all people. But wait, I hear you cry. Some of those roles you describe might be businesses, which is true. But what is a business other than an organized collection of people working together towards a common goal? And if you have a people-first business, not a customer-centric business, not one that puts employee engagement first, but truly a people-first business, then guess what you start thinking of? People first. You start talking people first. You start managing people first. It's a subtle distinction, but oh so very powerful. Now moving on, surrounding the black box are two orbits. The first orbit describes three attributes. Identity, data, technology. And I'm going to attach three phrases to each of those words. Your ID is not your identity. ID is generally about proof of who you are, so that others understand. Your passport, driving license, social security or national insurance number, the username and password to access a website or portal, are all examples of ID. And over time, ID has been conflated with identity. Entity is the other part of that word. Your entity is who you are. No proof needed. No one can take your entity away from you. The conflation of identity to ID and the subtle reduction of identity to ID is a problem. The ramifications enormous. Data is energy. 
Data is not the new oil, the new soil, the new water, nor any other analogy that relies on the methodology of extractive industries to explain itself. Have you ever stopped to think about those giant farms of data in lakes and warehouses, where data is constantly munged and morphed until it is harvested? The adoption of natural terms like harvest lake, mountain and farm is interesting. Of course it is our right to do this to data. It's what we do with potatoes and bananas and coffee. It's natural. Don't worry. We haven't. And as a result, we live in the surveillance economy. To quote Shoshana Zubnov, the surveillance economy is a new economic order that claims human experience as free, raw material for hidden commercial practices of extraction, prediction, and sales. Really? How did we get here? Can we do anything about it? Now? Later? Or is it too late? Technology. OMG technology. Technology that we all use that is so ingrained in our day-to-day life that it's at a point of being an extension of ourselves. Some people talk about the singularity. Some of those set that time so far into the future, but I think it's a lot closer than many people think. In a sentence, the singularity refers to the emergence of superintelligent machines with capabilities that cannot be predicted by humans. And so, what I hear you ask, it will either be or not be. Why does it affect me? Technology. OMG. Owned, managed, and governed by others. Not you, others. Will you recognize the singularity when it arrives? How is it going to affect you, your children, your grandchildren? Moving along to the outer orbit, we have three final pillars. Language, learning, and value. Language leaks. We adopt the language of business to describe ourselves, and we don't even think about it. In an upcoming podcast, my friend Stuart talks about the word escalate. In business, you never really want to escalate, to push it up the line. It's almost an admission of failure. You couldn't resolve it, so you had to escalate. And yet an escalator is a moving stairway that takes you up and down. When and how did we lose the downward escalation in business? Meanwhile, businesses have sales and marketing targets that need to be hit when they attack markets. These are the same companies with customer-facing departments whose external communicators highlight how important customers are to them, how they need to be first, how they want to work with us, to partner with us, to make our lives better. Let me ask you this. If language used in public is so different to language used behind the closed doors, which do you think best represents the values of that organization? Learn to learn. We humans, people, are naturally inquisitive. We explore, we look, we seek to understand. And as we explore, we learn. Learning used to be about that, about education. It has over the years been reduced to training. Get a skill. You can't go wrong. The problem is everywhere. Full circle, it seems you can't turn over a magazine. Well, sorry, click on a website without reading about the importance of a lifelong learning, of learning to learn. Do you know how? And if you think education is the same as training, think again. Do you have a child? 
When they get to a certain age, do you want to educate them in sex or train them? And finally, in this orbit, value, value like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. And that's it. Those are the eight pillars of people first. They provide the frameworks for what we will be talking about. In the explorations, we'll go back into history for learning. We will look to the future for shaping our thinking. And we will, of course, be looking at the everyday, the now of life, which is, of course, where we are all living. For example, work. There are changes being wrought across the planet that many people talk about under the headline, The Future of Work. What you will find on this podcast is clarity. Consider even the phrase, The Future of Work. I'll be talking more on this in future episodes, but the? There are many potential futures. Surely we mean a, not the. And work? Why do we work? I mean, seriously, why? Whilst we would agree that there are few people who have the sheer joy and delight of doing a job that defines their passion and purpose, that doesn't describe most people. If it describes you, do please contact me and let's talk. I would like you as a guest on the show, and I'm being quite serious. I would argue that we work because of the good old Protestant work ethic that's been ingrained into our souls since we were toddlers, and of course for money. Ask yourself, would you work all the hours you do, doing the job you do, if the money came to you anyway? What if you just had an income that paid for what you needed, and then you could do exactly what you wanted? Would that work? Would you continue to do what you do? And no, I'm definitely not talking about universal basic income. Far from proven, far from real, and requires a significant shift in societal thinking. Considering that in America they can't even agree on universal health care, Universal basic income is going to be a long way out, at least in the USA. But there are plenty of other ways to garner income, and we'll be talking more about that. And finally, so much of what people write about under the headline of the future of work is already here. It's happened. That's why I call it the present of work. So there we have it. What others call the future of work, I call a future of work, or the present of work, or work is a future of income. Much more to come, much more, and all fully peppered with the tenets of people first that I won't even start to get into here. Thanks for joining me. Onwards. We look forward to you joining us next time. And if you found this interesting, please do share the podcast. All the links referenced today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate in connecting directly with John Philpin. Stay safe and stay well.